0: Welcome to Teach Your Passion Online, the weekly podcast for passionate people who want to build online businesses. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. Matt Chapman here. And today I am with John Bullock, who runs a chain of very successful craft schools in the UK and is a part of the governing body. So how are you doing, John?
1: I'm good, mate. Yeah, good to be on with you.
0: Uh, so, stressful times for martial arts instructors almost there, hopefully, with the whole lockdown release. how
1: are you feeling about that uh so obviously initially it was a challenging time with a lot of uncertainty, but I think once you get your head around uh what it actually is that the fact you can't really control it, and there are you can then find opportunities I think the biggest one is like. You, you know, someone's almost making you start your business from scratch, so you can learn the lessons from the past and, and and start new in the way you would you'd like to. Maybe the changes you didn't make because you were so busy. So, I've seen quite a lot of opportunity, in the, especially in the last six weeks or so.
0: That's good. That's positive. <laughs> That's the way to be when you uh, run businesses. So, you've been teaching uh, crowd for how long now?
1: I've been in my Maga for about fifteen years now. I started out in kickboxing, um, but went into the military into a particular specialist role and then was in the private security sector for a long while in that's what the close protection industry so self-defense training became more of an interest specifically in the protection of other people yeah uh, and i just found my way into you know krav maga you know being the most well-known reality-based system out there i guess
0: yeah and you've obviously trained to, went to israel many many times and and trained with all the experts and uh 15 years and you run a very successful sort of what would you describe it chain of schools or how
1: would you describe it (laughs) yes yes i've been to israel quite a few Been to israel twice every year for the last god knows how many i actually lived in israel for six months uh which was interesting for training and development and then yeah so so i have a main training center down in uh, essex around the corner from you (laughs) and then um uh, I have a sort of a, let's call it a, a chain of licensed schools, people who've trained with me and, and, and sort of developed with me and have gone off to open their own schools and they have sort of, they can use my brand and I help them with marketing and development and training programs and things like that. And then my sort of second role, my sort of second hat on it is I head up Crab uh, Magar Global in the UK, which is one of the major sort of, um, I suppose, governing bodies we'd call it, or major training providers around the world. So KMGs in about 60 countries now so I sort of look after the, the UK for for those guys and they're based out of Israel so everything I generally do is is around Krav Maga and then let's say the wider words of self-defense, conflict, communication, de-escalation, training, that sort of thing so anything from the physical skills right through to the what you say and what you do and how you not end up there that sort of stuff.
0: Wow busy boy um, <laughs> so why did you decide to do this sort of chain of, of schools or licensed schools, because that seems a step up. So most martial arts instructors kind of start to teach at their own school and that's kind of where they stop. They're not really interested in taking it any further and sort of growing it and uh, spreading it throughout uh, the local region. What, what made you decide to do that, do you think?
1: Uh, the first one was to give opportunity for people who've been training with me who wanted to open their own school but maybe didn't have the confidence because there's a lot of things that I don't mind doing or I'm okay with that a lot of school owners probably aren't interested in doing. For example, the website of things. Uh, that That's having an advising on pricing structures and programs. So I wanted to give opportunity to people. That's one reason. Yeah. The second reason is brand awareness. So I think that you know if someone goes on your website and sees that you have various... Uh, locations in different places, it creates um, some trust in the brand because they can see some longevity there. The, the goal with actually the chain of schools was was never to be a profit, it was, it was never designed to roll out like a turnkey franchise solution where you could do the course and go out and open your own school tomorrow. I didn't want to do that. I'm not saying I will never do it, I never say no, say never, but at the moment, the, the goal is, is brand awareness. So you can see we've got selection schools around the UK you know, all which are rated on trust pilot and, and things like that. And it's just to build um, confidence really in consumers when they're, they're looking, well, why should we go to this place? And I think if your brand is strong and has representation, different places you can add to that trust.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's very cool. And uh, what was the decision or what was the, the, the deciding factor? Because you went into teaching online Quite a while ago, you started creating a few products. A while ago, didn't you? Um, I remember looking at one of your kicking uh, products a few years ago. What made you decide to get into the online sort of space as well?
1: Well, I think from a business perspective, the uh, as the great Dan Kennedy says, the uh, the, the number <laughs> one is dangerous. So never have one supplier, one instructor. Um, never have one of anything you know never have one marketing stream so i i I have a structure for the business that operates in various different areas, you know, physical training in the corporate market an online shop and then obviously online training would would feed into that. so we started initially through uh, filming our what we call checkpoints in Krav Maga so the salient points in each technique that you would need to know for grading and for the technique to be successful so we created a sort of our what we call our practitioner levels one to five short videos with checkpoints so the students could reference them coming up to gradings and things Mm. and obviously as you went up the grading levels you get access to the next level of, of, of techniques so we filmed that I had a guy come to work for me who used to work for a sky tv channel so that was in the main what he did so we wanted to test our ability on that so we filmed what we called elite online and then inside that we decided to throw some more things so we put some pad drills some body weight training drills Um, and then we got heavily into a mobility system that that I'm, I'm, i'm i'm into for what i call old age prevention you know so uh the fact i want my hips to work when i'm 70 so uh we i'd work with this mobility system and used that in conjunction with our knowledge to create something called Kiki mastery which was a course that we put out there and actually i'm going to relaunch it soon i think it's pretty good um and that was uh, that was the beginning really and it that was the beginning of, of that sector of the business because the business isn't just teach martial arts or krav maga on, on the training floor the business has various streams and that's one of those streams that you know doesn't get of my time but it gets a percentage of my time it gets weighted against the other things that I'm doing if that makes sense so every month I will do something towards that project but it's not the only thing we do if that makes sense
0: yeah and since then you've gone on to release like uh, a few other products the main one being your like uh, crav uh, lesson plan library which is do you want to describe what it is for people who are interested in teaching crav and and developing
1: their skills as an instructor? Yeah. So basically it's, it's um, so first of all, it's, it's a premium product, right? It's my big product that I've got. And I thought if I'm going to start more online, let's go heavy and go, uh, you know, probably contrary to your advice. Uh, <laughs> let's go diffi- Let's go difficult first, you know, let's overload myself. And I thought, you know, if I could create this massive product, then everything else in the future is going to be much easier. So Uh, It's in effect is a a three-year program really that you can pay monthly or subscribe to yearly whereby we have Fundamentals Intermediate Advanced and we launch four lesson plans per month, um, plus bonus videos that Karamagas Self-Defense Instructors can use in their schools because what I found was that instructors were putting probably too much content and too much creativity into lessons, so although the students might have had a great time in the whole lesson. And that's, that's a good thing where we actually building competency. And I think when you deal with something like self-defense, you can't mess about with it. You know, somebody might have to defend themselves tomorrow. So do they come out of the lessons actually have progressed? And I've just found a lot of instructors teaching too much. So it was a a model of training and ideas for lessons that would sort of keep that balance between the content and and, and how you're teaching it. And it's gone really well, you know, so we launched in January. Oh, the launch month went really well I'm still ticking over getting different um uh some more subscribers every month obviously I, I, like anything I could put more time into marketing but like I said in the beginning it's a stream of what I do it's not the main thing of what I do so every month it gets some attention but like anything if I put more attention to it it would probably uh, it would probably get even bigger but obviously that's a that's a choice at the moment
0: yeah and uh it's proved quite popular isn't it like uh, lots of people signing up to it and uh you it yeah, yeah. hard at the beginning and uh, build up a nice little sort of audience for your content.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah and obviously, so obviously, you know, when we, are uh, two choices, so the filming side of it was okay with, and like, from a software point of view, using the Thinkific platform, as an example, we were pretty okay with that. As I spoke to you about <clears throat> launch strategies and that, because I'm going to go, you know, if, if there's someone who's doing it all the time who for, for paying a bit of, can you know bit of money for their time and experience that I can expediate or you know speed up my launch? I'm going to do that. You know, so obviously I worked with you a little bit and we worked a launch model and I stuck to it. And yeah, the launch months were massive. You know, so it was huge, really. Um, and then uh, carried on from there. So yeah, I just followed your the processes you gave me and then a few other different things that um, that we we put out there. And I you know I, I overexceeded. Actually, we hit. I had a budget, so I write a budget for the business every year, and I had a budget as income as I wanted to make it online in 2020, um, and we actually hit the year's budget in launch month, (laughs) which was uh, quite good. Um, Yeah, that. But you know, you know, you know, uh, you know what I'm like? I'm, I'm, you know, I'm I'm kind of the never satisfied guy, which is not good, really, in the sense I always feel I can do better. So um, I, it was great. It was really, really good. but there's more work to do. I can continue to improve the product. obviously we just launched another one this month, which is ongoing at the moment.
0: Yeah. How do you find like the difference between launching or creating online products and kind of running the school? Is it the same sort of system methodology you use or is it more creative or is it more uh, easier because you use software? What do you think? Because obviously, Running a school requires a lot of people. You do employ a lot of people to help you do what you do, but online is a bit different, I guess.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it is, and so uh, obviously, you, you can run a school on your own, but it's miserable, and <laughs> eventually, will burn out, and and you get to the point where you're not enjoying it anymore. I can't think of anything worse than getting up and going to do something you don't enjoy. So, um, you know, with running the school, the process is the same. Since with online, I'm like, okay. So there's certain things in the school that at the moment only I can do, but I try and make that as small as possible with online in the beginning. I can do it all with a bit of, um, you know, tutorial and guidance and help, but also I would then go, okay, well, I'm not going to be that good at that bit. So can I outsource that to somebody else? So my attitude online is that I'm starting it now, not because I, and <clears throat> um, want to for example do what you do, which is a full time living in it right now. You made your decision there, but obviously you've been doing it for a long time. I want it there because it might be in five, six, seven years. I choose I want to move away from the school and I have managed to get it to a point where it runs without me and I could just sit behind my laptop and do online stuff. And obviously I'll have gained more more experience in the next six years from running schools to teaching to all sorts of things. So, you know, your experience dictates the amount of courses and information you could put out there really and I think there's a lot of instructors who probably got 12 15 years of experience and imagine how many courses you could create out of that you know yeah um, that's that's so the problem it, I think, it's it? it's much it is easier than running the school yeah no, it is yeah so okay. it, yeah I, I I think that um I think if you're not, if you're not, you should have some. If you're any type of martial arts instructor, there is nothing stopping you, only than your own, only your own limiting beliefs as to why you shouldn't do something online. And, and everybody thinks that it has to be some, uh, uh, you know, well-customized site with a thousand courses on. That doesn't happen overnight, does it? You know, you've been plugging at this for years, so it's. Um, but we are, we are actually my view, still in the infancy of online training, right? Now, yeah. notwithstanding COVID 19, and COVID-19 obviously has pushed um, you know, live training classes on Zoom, which 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 is okay, do you know what I mean? But it's not never a replacement for physical training. But what instructors were forced to do is to force to get in front of the camera. So you made a fatal mistake if you didn't record those classes, that's number one. But number two is that you should now use the experience you've had in front of the camera and then start to film and get some content ready because we are in the infancy. And if you're, if you don't jump on the bandwagon now, you will regret it in uh, five, six, seven, 10 years time. Because, so. yeah. Uh, yeah, for sure. So even if it's like, Gaining the knowledge and putting something small out to your network. And do you know what? It can be for free. You know, put something out for free to your students. I don't know, just to practice. But I think everybody feels that they should create online content and it should do like a 10 grand launch month, otherwise they've massively failed well no it's about it's about practicing like you did with your martial arts to get good at it to then eventually be able to scale it and and then uh, monetize it which is what everybody did with their martial arts training right they trained they got good at it they got experience then they started teaching others which in turn monetizes it and turns it into a business so online training is no different you have to um, you have to you have to do the research do the work and, and 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 practice and have a go and just launch things out there and obviously rid yourself of the ridiculous um, belief that there is some mystical group of people out there who are judging your every move. Right? It's, like, <laughs> it's like, it doesn't, it doesn't exist. Do you know what I mean? There's nobody sitting there with a notepad uh, writing down how much Matt Chapman screwed up today. Do you know what I mean? It's like people have got their own stuff going on. So yeah, and like anybody, any, anybody who genuinely cares about you, who's friends with you, who wants, you know, who wants to see you successful will only ever be, um, supportive, right? Yeah. And the, the people who are not supportive, well, they're probably not your friends, right? And the people who are not supportive are probably ones who are not doing it. So they're judging something that you're doing that they're not doing. How does that work? So um, I just think that, that you know, and there never has ever been a time that technology, you know, can allow you to do everything that you want to do. You know, it might be films some stuff on your iPhone, you know put it on a youtube channel put it on, on on vimeo or whatever you know and just practice you don't need to go to get paid sites initially but practice in a cost-effective way and then make the decision to move forwards where you're paying for some advice paying for some software and you know slowly grow it and build it like you did with your school you didn't have a you know um you didn't have like 200 members on the first day right and anybody you did say they opened a school and had 200 mums on the first day is just talking shit probably you know yeah. or they had a one pound offer or something and they never saw them again so you know what i'm saying you didn't have all those reoccurring customers and they stayed with you you built you grew you know so um, why is online any different
0: no yeah and when you started did you uh you have any did you have any fears about starting it that was obviously fear of trolls probably didn't seem to worry you too much did you have any concerns or were you just like no nope. I know what i'm doing and off i go
1: so i set standards for myself quite high probably too high and uh, it's a bit silly to set standards in something that you're starting out with yes so probably the, <laughs> the biggest debilitator was like um uh, expecting something which was unrealistic um on on on, on, a, on a launch project so that was probably the one thing i don't have any fear around um uh, cam- you know talking in front of a camera or teaching in front of a camera and I'm confident that after 15 years of my Maga I know what I'm talking about otherwise I wouldn't have been doing it for 15 years <laughs> so I, I think um, so that wasn't really the issue my main issue I think was um, just making sure that with all the other things I have going on that it had that it had its place and I didn't suddenly put all my attention into it, but at the same time I didn't put no attention into it. So where was it going to sit in respect of the amount of time I allocated to it on a weekly, monthly, yearly basis? And I think I was a bit concerned that I was adding to, to, um, my workload. Yeah. And I did in the beginning and I, and, and I did in the beginning, I thought oh, no, it was too much, but now I've actually, and, and, the last sort of lockdown periods helped me reevaluate that and I now know where online sits in my bigger plan if that makes sense so those are the two things really um <clears throat> sort of over uh, uh, expectations above what I should probably have for myself and secondly um making sure that I didn't just just throw my time into it or not do anything with it balancing the time I spend yeah did you uh did you want to make a million in your first launch was that your was that your target no no that wouldn't i am i but but you know <laughs> when you um uh, so, so i well interestingly but and you've known me quite a while the number i put on my launch we doubled that number but i'm the sort of guy who is he's like triple it, yeah <laughs> i'm not the pain and pleasure guy right it's, it's like so so you know it, it's the 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 pleasure of doing well in that pushes me to want to do and I'll just always go um, what could I've done better and and that's not good in some senses because obviously you should celebrate successes which is something I struggle with. I'm Um, the
0: same. Yeah, I'm the same. I'm like right next. Like I hardly ever celebrate for more than like literally a few seconds. I'm always on to the next goal. Um, Apparently, there's something wrong with our brains. There's been research done on us people, and we have a uh, most people, when they get a reward after completing something, it lasts a lot longer, but our yep. brains don't produce as much of the chemical, so yep. it just doesn't last long enough. So we're on to the next thing. So
1: we have brain issues, John. That's what it is. It's it's, it's mu- mu- multiple punches in the head. You know, getting kind of strangled by John Hegan or whatever it is. But the but the um the uh, I, th- I think with that though we can look at it like that or or. There's also a way we can look at it, which is that it probably means that the journey is more important than the result, which I think is extremely important in anything, so um you, you know that we're enjoying the process of doing it. that was good, okay, great what's my next bit because i like you know there's a great book called the Art of the start and and I like the start of something, I like the beginning of things, I like yeah. the struggle i like the I like the the first few steps, you know. Yeah. I don't like plateauing. And when, when we get to the top and, and I, you know, I'm always banging on to people about, Oh, we need to get things done and get things finished, you know, but when it's finished, I'm like, right. Okay. Then i move again rather than going, right. We finished it. That's good. So I think there's, um I think there's some positives in want to move to the next thing, but at the same time, like you said, stop and pause and go, actually that was pretty good. Do a bit of a re- review as to, how it could have improved and then implementing the next one.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, one of the things that uh, I'm very impressed with yourself is your ability to speak to camera because I don't have that ability and I know a lot of instructors really struggle with standing in front of a camera. Now I can teach to camera, meaning if I'm like teaching a technique, no problem, can do that in my sleep. But just kind of explaining concepts and talking naturally and confidently to the camera still freaks me out. And I've been doing this for like seven, eight years now. Uh, But when I was working with you and we were filming a little bit of content for your launch, you just kind of just do it. I'm like, do you have any tips or do you have a strategy? Or how do you just get that kind of, you don't seem to fluff your words, you don't make mistakes, you kind of flow. It's really quite good.
1: So there's a few, there's a few things um, that I've done over the years with that. So the years ago, a long time ago, when I was very young, I did, I researched TV presenting as a career. Uh, And I was interested in in what courses involved and stuff like that. And there's a few uh, TV presenters I looked at who would do like live TV uh, and would be very, so, so cheesy wise, if you look at the people who do like, you know, cheesy Saturday night TV, like the people like derma o'leary Anton deck people like that so although they're auto queuing to a point you know what they're actually doing is they are um working section by section and then filling in in between right so they they what and, and there's and this follows on to sort of some nalp stuff which is all about chunking which means like you know, knowing the top level idea about what you're going to talk about, but making sure you've got enough experience to then fill in the, fill in the, the, the section between the next chunk. So, so in effect, what they're doing is they understand that, okay, we need to introduce the show or whatever I mentioned this, this, and this, you know, so how they mention it is irrelevant. Right. Right. So the second thing, the second thing is then, um, uh, uh, and I'm doing it a little bit on, on this because obviously we're just chatting, but when I'm going to camera, I'm, I try to avoid um, like words like I just did there, like "arm" um, and the uh, "r" and things. So, so noises. So you don't need to make a noise to know you're thinking. So when we're chatting and stuff, because I'm thinking on the spot now with your questions, yeah. I will make that noise. But when I'm in front of a camera filming, if if I make those sort of "arm" um and "r" ah noises, I, I I start again because I want it to be flow. I did do a course. Um, with a guy that you and I are both aware of, called Andy Harrington, which I'll reserve judgment. But the as, as, in, as in as in as in like I I don't like some of his marketing meth- methods. But but I should say this that um I was I was at um I can't remember the company that Dan Bradbury used to run. Um, you have probably been at one of the events, and and Andy Harrington was there selling his Public Speakers Academy. Yes. And, um, or public speech diversity. And I didn't go, I didn't join in the mass selling part. I walked up to him at the end. I said, you know, is the offer still available? Yep. So I went on the course. And actually, <clears throat> the course was very good. It was tough. It was like, I think it was like five days or something. And then a few people in the room helping. It was all based on an LP. And if you knew your subject, the structure was really good. So what he did was taught you a structure. Yes. So, uh, and so, and, and that included how you, present your body language your movement and things like that. And the reason that was important to me was at the time was not because of online, but I'm, I'm, I do a lot of work in the corporate sector. So by that mean, by that, I mean, um, I work with, uh, the police, the military blue chip companies where I go and deliver classroom learning, mm-hmm. which is interactive training. So meaning that I have to get people feeding back to me and the way you present in front of a class sitting down is extremely important um, because they have to be engaged in your tone of voice when you move from formal speak to sharing a story, you know? So um, when I go in front of a camera, I'm very conscious of my body language, the tone of voice and and, and what I want that part of the messaging to come across. So if it's a short ad, it's no problem. Um, But if it's a bit longer, there'll be times when I'll have to change my, tone of voice and I'll change my wording um, if I'm trying to go a bit more sort of um, sort of a bit more soft a bit more relaxed a bit more hey this we can do this together versus giving instruction if that makes sense.
0: No absolutely well it makes perfect sense to me and did you learn that type of stuff on Andy's course or did you kind of know that anyway instinctually
1: and he just kind of brought it out a little bit? I did so like I said I'd studied a fair bit of it anyway and Andy's course, actually, what that gave me was the practice with other people that I didn't know. And here was the interesting thing on that course. And this is the bit when I say I don't like marketing tactics on that. What I mean is that that he would that course would be bought by people who don't need it, right? So you should only go on that course if you are an expert in what you do and want to learn how to to share that information. So people will go on that course saying, "Oh, what do you do? Oh, I'm I'm in um I'm in property." What does that mean? Well, you you've got like you know 15, 20 houses you rent out. No, no, I'm thinking about doing it. Right. So you're on a <laughs> speaking course about something that you don't actually do yet. So when they had to stand up and deliver their presentations, they had no content. Right. So the, the point is that he'll teach you structure, but the content's already in you from twelve to 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 uh, sort of twelve to fifteen years of experience, you know, with you. If I said to you, talk to me about Online training and the five top things that people—you could just reel it off because of experience, right? So, so
0: but he kind of attracted the wrong crowd, I guess, or the crowd that wasn't quite ready for what he was delivering.
1: Well, well, yes, but then again, he doesn't really care about that bit, does he? So, so he wants, but he, you know, he's saying here's a course, he's and sign up to it. He's not going to make judgments on every single person, yeah. Turn people away, but it's just, it's just that um, a lot of people there. They couldn't, use the, they couldn't use the training because they didn't have any content, you know. It's like you're saying to me, you know, talk to me about the um, – do me a presentation right now on the inner workings of my, um, uh, my, my Ford Ranger engine. Well, I've got no clue. You know what I mean? And I'd be like, mm, it drives the car, you know. So it, it, I couldn't talk to you about it because I've no – like, Yeah, so I've got no, yeah. no experience. So I haven't got no content. So you you could say to me, you know, talk to me about um, cylinders, valves, a- a- and fuel injection as like the the chapters, right? Well, if I had content, I like experience, I could fill in the gaps, couldn't I? Got you. So it's kind of
0: uh, the structure of your content, like you say, chunking it into sort of yeah. topics or
1: themes, and then just working the segue into the next section that smooths. It's yeah, and being good at pause and understanding the power of the pause. So, you know, so when is it the right time for you to pause? And also when you're talking to a camera, well, the stuff we did was obviously quite quick stuff, you know, but when it's longer stuff, you know, having the whiteboard in, you know, in, you know, next to the camera, that's got your four points. So don't try and write your script. Right. Four, four points. The other I have done, I have done it with a course we just launched this month on self-defense law. On some of that stuff, we did auto queue that because um, there's some legal stuff we had to get into it that we couldn't miss, and yes. that we can't ad lib. We can't add lib, so we have to. So we did auto queue it. So that But did you, you know, find auto you Can you? Does it flow? Does it work for you? Or... Yeah, because did... you can do an you can do an iPad. So there's an auto cue app on the iPad. You download that. You put your stuff in. You set the pace in which it scrolls, um, and obviously what you have to make sure is that the iPad sits is either held or is positioned just below the lens. Otherwise you'll be staring at the iPad if it's somewhere else, you know, so right. um, you, you can actually get away with that quite well. The danger is that you just got to be aware that you're reading. So a, a, a good example, another good example to watch is like, especially at the moment with um, like politicians who are doing the number 10 briefings, you know, so they've got notes, they've got things they need to share, but they're not always looking down at the paper. You know? So right they understand what bit they're moving to and where. And they just look down at the paper now and again, it's an auto cue. Although, you know, you should be, you should practice reading it, but in a way that you're, um, you're still articulating through your tone of voice and body language.
0: Yeah, excellent. That's really good advice. I think that's one of the main questions I get asked is about speaking to camera. And my kind of advice is do more of it and you'll get better.
1: But I think that idea of structuring it, you know, makes a lot more sense. Um, yeah, don't, don't try and write it out too much unless you're queuing, but that, that's a very mm-hmm. specialist thing that you probably should only do if, you, if there's a real specific reason. I mean, one of the tricks I do with people, so when we ask students for testimonials um, on camera, so we've got a way in which we shoot student testimonials where we've got the camera and I stand behind the camera and I prompt in a certain way. So what I do with that is obviously when you point the camera at a student, they're going to freeze up. So... What I do is I say, look, we're going to have a practice run for the moment. We're going to have a practice run. Um, we won't put the camera on, so just have a go. And I'll do certain body language behind the camera to nod to them and the, the, the questions are making sense. Yeah. Um, and But what I'll actually do is I will actually record it. Now, I know that's a bit sneaky, but you'll get a complete – you'll get a really good testimonial. And at the end, I'll go, by the way, I recorded that. And they go, oh, you're joking. No, <laughs> no, no. And then they look at it, and it's amazing. Right, it's cool. amazing <laughs> Good because yeah. they saw it as a practice. Now, obviously, you've got to put with the right person because some people might feel that that was a bit naughty. And obviously, if they wanted to say don't use it, that's fine. But I've never met anybody who's been unsatisfied with what I call their their practice testimonial the, the other thing with testimonials and filming people, you know, let's say that someone does your online course and then you want a testimonial. The one of the classic advices is to make sure you they repeat. The question back to you,
0: because right, you won't. Yeah.
1: So, for example, if, if you say, um, uh, "John, tell me the best bit about um, Mitmaster Online," I go, "The best bit about On- Mitmaster Online is you know yes. because I might not hear you talking the question." So, there's all these little tricks that you can use with cameras and filming and, and yourself and that, um, and then the power of editing. You know, so so one of my worst habits is I want to get it all in one take. Right. It's, um, do you know what you could film a bit of it stop film the next bit stop and just add in some fades Do you know what i mean just do some transitions you can easily you know film your first bit stick in an image from your course and then run into the next bit you know yeah. it doesn't have to be in one because one take is quite hard if it's long you know
0: yeah that's some awesome advice dude that's quality advice that's good and uh, one of the other areas that i think you're really strong at is your email game uh, having received your emails, they are like really well written. Um, any tips on email writing? Have you done any training? Have you sort of developed? How did you develop your skills? Because your emails are very good.
1: So I, I've I've been into email marketing for quite a while, and I started off because um, I'm a bit of an Infusionsoft geek. Mm. i have been using Infusionsoft <laughs> for a long time, and I went to the states um, for about two years, and I was in. I was working with a guy called Brad Martino, who runs a company called Sixth Division, which is like an infusion soft consultancy. When I was there, I was learning how to use it and working their mastermind. We did a lot on on structure of email content. I then did a little bit of work. I did um, one of the best things to buy actually for anybody looking to do is Ryan Dice's The Machine. So yes. Ryan Dice from Digital Marketer, and that's probably a lot cheaper now than it was back in the day. But I started to use the machine. So uh, the machine worked really well for us. And obviously, you know, indoctrination, engagement, ascension, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, I did a lot of work with a company in Birmingham. I used them for some marketing consultancy role called Ideal Result. I had a guy up there called Seb, who was just a fantastic copywriter. And then I learned a lot from him. And then I recently did Paul Mort's Email Domination Academy. So Paul Mort is um, uh, ex bootcamp guy, fitness trainer turned sort of infomarketer um, and does a lot of personal development. And he's the guy who's helped. If anybody knows who James Smith is, he's a big Instagram PT, very successful email marketing. So I did his course recently. The tip, the main tips are um, subject line is everything. So make sure that the subject line is engaging and makes people want to open the email because there's two, there's two things that you have to remember with email marketing is that it's not the same as like, if you thought what Gary Vaynerchuk says like 10, 15 years ago, you would read and open every single email. <laughs> yep. But now you have to, your emails have to get through what some people call the purge, you know, as in the, the TV show. So, like, <laughs> so you're waking like up in the morning, you might grab your phone, you'll purge your emails, you'll just delete the ones that you're just not interested in. And then you might do another purge at lunchtime, you know, so um, making sure you avoid the purge, meaning, you know, you don't get deleted in that mass deletion time of the day, yeah. which is generally morning and lunch times. Uh, and so, you know, if you think about people commuting to work on the train as well. So um, when you send, it's important. The subject line is important. And certainly when you're writing emails, um, it should be written to a person, not to a group. So you should talk to that person directly.
0: Yes. Um some, yeah, nice tips on, on email. Email is a, is a, is a, is a difficult one for people, but I think one of the best tips I've ever read or heard about email is that, uh, you've got to understand that people read it alone. So like you say, it's one to one and most people are bored yeah. most of the time. So if you can be interesting, yeah. engaging, yeah. and uh, get past the purges, you call it, you can start yeah. building up a relationship with your email list and email lists in online marketing are like considered the, gold standard, aren't they? They're considered one of the most important things you can have because you own your email list forever, whereas you don't yep. own necessarily Facebook traffic or Google traffic or anything else. Um, having an uh, email list is is one of the most important things that most people forget when they start out. Um, we met, funnily enough, at uh, an event. Which one was it? Was it the Seriously? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, yeah, yeah. Was, was I
1: funny. can't remember who was. Like, was that, that Gary was V? Dice. Was it Gary V? Gary V and Mike Okay, yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we were at
0: this event. Um, John was on the other side of the room, sort of hauled to me and he said, said are you that Master guy? And I was like, oh shit, yeah, I am.
1: Then <laughs> we had a chat and found out that- I went, you're amazing, you're just amazing. I'm so No, what you
0: actually said was, <laughs> some of my instructors really like your stuff. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. No. Yeah, yeah 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 i <laughs> no, thought it was rubbish but that was the beginning of our friendship but um yes just speaking about that ongoing sort of personal development attending you must have been to a fair few conference yeah. meetings how do you find those do you find them useful do you still do them or
1: i haven't been uh so i started quite early in that stuff so um the main people in market were Nick James, Dan Bradbury, weren't they? And um, I forget what their company was called now. But I went to a few of those because they were bringing over the likes of Drian Dyson, Frank Kern and, and those sorts of people. You, obviously, the goal of those events is to try and sell you something. But it doesn't mean you have to buy it. And, and, and you're always going to get some type of value from it. So yeah. I think so. There's, there's the one reason to go there because you're going to learn something. The other reason to go to certain types of of, of business development events, whether it's a mastermind, whether it's a, um, you you know, info marketing, we're going to get stuff from the stage is because it it takes you out of your business and you end up writing loads and loads and loads of notes and those notes, you know, now, now the danger is that there's two dangers on it. And I started to fall into it. One is you can become a seminar junkie. So you will end up going to loads and loads of seminars and not actually doing anything with the information. The second thing is, as Dan Kennedy used to say, that people will go to his seminars and take a picture of every slide that he put up on the screen, and take a thousand notes and never look at them again. You know, yeah. So it's the classic thing is, is you know, can you go to an event, pick one or two things that you come back and implement? Of course, you must. You must pick your events carefully, and you must make sure that you, you do feel you're going to get value from it. Um, one of the best events I ever went to was. Uh I don't talk about it too much it is the Tony Robbins event Unleash the Power Within. Because oh, yeah. because of, although I'm not really into jumping up and high fiving and all that sort of stuff. So but at the same time I understand why they do it, but I got a lot out of that in regard to finding the reasons why I might not do stuff. So I, 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 there's loads of stuff that I, I wanted to do and how I was going to do it. And apply, but obviously, there's stuff that like we talked about earlier that stops people from doing it. So that type of event explains why, what's stopping you. And then if you understand what's stopping you and why it's stopping, you can get past it. If you don't understand it, you can't do anything with it. So yeah. I did that event and then I started going to some of the, the business development stuff, but I haven't been to uh, one for a while because I've got quite a lot going on in the business and I've, I had business coaching for about 12 years uh, and I stopped that last year because my business coach retired. So I got a lot of stuff from him and now really I just work with some mentors here and there who are subject matter experts and who sort of can teach me specifics in certain things. But I'd say to go to at least two business development events where you're with other people who share the same issues and challenges as you. And it doesn't have to be martial arts. Uh, Actually, I think there's sometimes there's a little bit more power in going to events which have got other people in other industries because you'll realize that, that no business is unique. You know, everyone has the same challenges. So I would say at least two events a year where you go there and, and and if family life allows it, you stay there, you stay overnight, you know, and you make those notes, you immerse yourself and you come back and you will get clarity on it. You know, I, to the states three times to, to go to particular mastermind and I came back completely different you can get very stuck in your daily routine and it's quite dangerous in some respects because time passes quite quickly
0: yeah that's a good thing about lockdown isn't it as well it's broken us out of our daily routine and give us opportunity to think and and create and uh, take our businesses in new directions just speaking about events um one of the best events in the UK right now, which I think you'd love, John, is Einstein Marketers event in Brighton. Okay. You know, to it um, yeah. this year, it was amazing, and the reason why it's amazing is it's a no pitch event. The people on on the stage are not allowed to sell anything. It's crazy. Wow. So you get an hour and a half of content from each person, just you know, hoping you. And obviously, the idea is that then you research them yourself, and if you want to work with them, you reach out but there's no sales yeah. on the stage. Three day event, just amazing content. It was so refreshing and it was packed because
1: of that. People were like, who was running that? Sorry. Is there anyone of, of a name I'd know who organized that or is it a company? Uh, no the guy market. who organized
0: it, Einstein marketer, a guy called Matt. Um, yeah and they're a, a, a kind of facebook ads agency if you check out einstein markets or, uh, on their website it's, it's a really good website yeah. loads of great free training on everything to do with online and some really good courses um but it was yeah it was such a great event and they had some really good high level people there like tom breeze is a youtube specialist yeah 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 so quite a few you know well-known um people were there doing their thing and i I, I learned loads so yeah that's going to be February next year I haven't got a commission on this I should have put and to get your <laughs> get your tickets click the link in the bio but yeah if you're into run to the back of the room yeah run 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 run, run. <laughs> there's none of that it was such a great event so what have you got in the pipeline John uh, what's next for you online offline got any exciting things coming up
1: so obviously we're going to relaunch the obviously I reopened the training center that we have That's it's yeah. quite a big place and so I, I've redesigned how we're bringing people in so we've worked a lot on our sales strategy what the marketing is going to look like a couple of the guys have gone through a fair amount of training in the last few weeks to work on how we're going to do that we decided to pivot the business a bit and we've we've next to where the training center is we have a big field that I rented a year ago with this intention of doing outdoor training didn't really do much with it in the beginning and now we've just turned that into an outdoor gym so we've put up punch bag frames, suspension trainers artificial grass on hard standing for a big open training area so that will open as an outdoor gym um, sort of with morning circuit training classes sort of in the next month or so Uh, online I've just just launched another course understanding reasonable force for martial arts and self-defense instructors so that's an accredited course so I work with Um, an awarding body in the UK who accredit that as a qualification. It's endorsed by a CPS prosecutor because one of the things we're not most exciting subject in the world is um, I I know there's lots of martial arts instructors and self-defense instructors who teach the physical skills, but just, we just need to be mindful that if they were ever used in self-defense, understanding the law and explanations, things like that is very important. And, you know, even if you teach a sport based martial art and occasionally you say, Oh, you could do this in self-defense, you know, that, that, that although true that you know you've got to be a bit careful with things like that and making yeah. sure that you can answer the right question so i put that out there and that's that's out at the moment and that's been been that's been doing well we've been out for five days and people are people are booking on they're finishing the course and completing the assessment and getting their qualifications so that's quite good and then i shall start um i want to do another two online courses this year um one will be a lower ticket product and one will be the beginning of a series that I'm going to shoot. So um, it's always there. It's always ticking in the background, you know, and um, (laughs) that's good. Uh, The idea
0: is it does tick in the background and brings in sort of like a steady trickle of uh, revenue that, you know, you've already done all the effort. Like you say at the beginning of it, it's quite effort intense, isn't it? But once it's finished, the effort is kind of over. You just market it and put it out to the right people and, and build up, build up the audience.
1: And that, that's the thing. And I think that's another thing that people stress: the building of the audience that takes time. At the end of the day, you, you teach martial arts to a load of students who are called your audience, your customers, your members. It doesn't matter what name you put on it. Um, but building that base took time. And how did you do it? You put advertising out there. You talk to people about what you did and you, 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 you started teaching it to one person on the mat, two people, three people, four people, whatever. And you grew. It's yeah. the same thing online. And it's the toughest thing. And actually in the, in the, in the sort of niche that I'm in, it's a bit tougher because I need to reach specifically really Krav Magar or self-defense people. Although it is relevant to lots of martial artists, you know, and, and m- one of my things is going to be to how do I expand my knowledge base and the stuff that I know that can help martial artists as well, who maybe don't teach in a self-defense context. So that's a, but you start small when you, you continue to build your audience, whether that's on Facebook or email list, as we mentioned, because I think email Uh, email is where your main sales will come from. That's what I I believe that you'll make, you'll make sales online for for smaller products, you know, cheaper products, or when you have a strong brand like yourself, who's been going a while, the trust is already there, but you're going to build trust a lot stronger through email marketing um, or private Facebook groups or something like that, where people can interact or get some interaction uh, with you. And there's just one word that helps you achieve that, which is just consistency. And and you can't, you can't do what I call chirping. So chirping is just like putting something out there now and again, you know? So you said to me, when you launch a course, put a post every other day during your launch month on your Facebook page, on your, 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 um, the page, your personal page, your page of your, your online training or whatever. And I do that. I, I, we did it in the launch that you helped me with on this launch. That you give me some advice so i'm doing the same thing i'm posting every day we've got a little video ad out there that got three thousand views in um 24 hours nice um a couple of um uh based comments from
0: it's uh, <laughs> ridiculous
1: it's just like you know um quite funny actually but you know what I, how do you deal with a troll comment just kill him with kindness do you know just kill him with kindness and obviously i've been teaching de-escalation for a long time so you know, replying to a troll is quite interesting. <laughs> <laughs> you go, I, I, can you make the troll feel bad? That's the idea. Yeah, I feel guilty. I've actually managed that a few times. They go, oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. I didn't realize
0: uh, it was like that. Yeah, yeah, it looks really good. So I you can, can do, it. do it. Yeah.
1: I just don't waste have my time. Exactly. You'll do it a bit if you're doing it all the time. And I always do it like a politician. And yeah, if you, if you look at the politicians who are speaking at the moment, when they get a question from the media, which is clearly a stupid question, right? Uh, the politician will always reply, well, thanks, Matt, for your question. And can I just say, it's a very important question, you know? <laughs> and it's like, you, you, know, you do that and then you just sort of um, go into an answer. Or another good one is to actually apologize for making them feel bad. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm so sorry that my contact made you feel that way. I do apologize, you know? And in, de-escal- in de-escalation, it's called the tactical apology. So it's when you say sorry to somebody at a certain time in order to diffuse conflict.
0: Right, nice nice tips. I use that online. Some gold from you today, John, very nice. (laughs) Um, How can people find out about you, your courses and what you do? Where would they find you?
1: So the web address is uh, krabmengarsuccess.online. So, you can just see that, you know, the things I'm doing there and how we've built out the site and, you know, and the sort of course, a couple of courses on there at the moment. And like I said, we've been going since January. The goal is to have four on there by the end of the year. And that's my goal and that's what I'm going to hit. And uh, the final thing I will say is don't judge your efforts against other people's efforts because your goals may be completely different. If someone's goal is to get 20 courses out in a year and your goal is to get four, why? measure yourself against somebody else's goal have your plan stick to your plan look at what other people are doing learn from them but do not make comparisons between you and somebody else because their goals are completely different
0: yeah and uh, celebrate your successes eh
1: absolutely yes i should try that <laughs> you
0: should try that john <laughs> <laughs> uh thanks very much dude it's been a pleasure speaking to you
1: no worries at all i all
0: uh, will speak to you soon probably come down and see you at training soon Cheers, dude. Yes,
1: mate. See you soon. Take care. Cheers. Bye-bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Bye.